baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Everyone's heard of FEMA. It's the Federal Emergency Management Agency, the arm of the federal government that responds to communities before, during, and after disasters. But this response, this one's different. It's not a hurricane. It's not a wildfire. It's not an earthquake. Buildings are falling down. It's people. In this edition of WCBS 880 In-Depth, our conversation with the regional head of FEMA, in charge of the COVID-19 response in our area. It's the biggest thing that anybody's ever had to deal with, and that's why we're, we're failing at some parts of it where we can't possibly meet the demand. I'm Tim Scheld, the news director at WCBS News Radio 880, and if the name Tom Von Essen is familiar to you, it's because it is etched in the history of New York City. He was the commissioner of the New York Fire Department on 9-11. Tom Von Essen was actually an FDNY lifer who rose through the ranks to become commissioner and, of course, served during our darkest day on 9-11. Now Von Essen is regional head of FEMA, responsible for New York and New Jersey, among other places, and he's been thinking a lot about 9-11 these days. There were people who left it all left it all on the table at that, that day for strangers. Um, and that's happening now. There's people in the emergency room. There's people on the ambulances. They're, they're leaving it all. They're leaving it all out there for total strangers. Our Peter Haskell spoke to Tom Von Essen this week, smack in the middle of the FEMA response. FEMA's job is to try to help coordinate all the different agencies that come to help when something really nasty happens. And FEMA, I'm amazed that the two and a half years I've been there, how good a job they do trying to make sense out of all of it. Like this is basically a health and human services uh, operation. This is really a medical emergency. You know, it's not, it's not a hurricane, it's not a wildfire, it's not an earthquake, buildings are falling down. It's people and people are dying and people are suffering and people are afraid to, to, you know, get the virus. So it's really a health emergency. But with that health emergency comes, uh, we have, you know, a, a, a recession. And so FEMA's trying to get money into the system, paying for doctors and health uh, professionals that come, uh, supplying the city with refrigerated trucks to take care of an inordinate amount of loss of life, trying to, you know, get medication if they can to help, trying to, you know, move people, ambulances for New York City, you know, for New York State, hospitals, alternative hospital setups for New York State, New York, uh, New Jersey, New York City, so and Puerto Rico and Virgin Islands also. So. We're there to, to try to help everybody, you know, make sense out of this thing. The Army Corps of Engineers done an amazing job at st- 
studying all the different sites that might be a good alternative place to build a hospital. And then the Department of Defense has supplied uh, the Comfort Navy ship. They've, uh, they've put personnel into the largest hospital you could imagine, built by the Army Corps at Javits. So now the DOD sends medical people in there to, to handle it, 325 patients as of today. So all of those things um, are coming from everywhere, and FEMA is the, the group that tries to make sense out of it. I've got a great group of people that work in response. I've got about 30 of them down at the Earl, uh, New Jersey Naval Weapons Station, where we have a command center. We have about eight people working at the Office of Emergency Management in the city, another eight or so working at the Emergency Operations Center in New York State, same in the Jersey and Trenton. So we, we try to assist. In other words, when Colonel Callahan in Jersey says, what's going on? Where is that, uh, where are those ambulances that, that FEMA said they were going to get for us? Well, somebody from our office, uh, is sitting right near them and they run down and they track it down from my response people in Jersey and they, they give them an answer and maybe he doesn't like it, but, um, uh, we give them the right answer the best we can. And, and that's going on with Commissioner Murphy in, um, at the state up in Albany. It's going on with Commissioner Criswell in New York City. So all those folks are coming to us and asking for support. They're doing a great job. They have great resources on their own. But they're asking us to kind of buttress them in this time where nobody, I think, has ever faced anything like this. FEMA hasn't. They told me that it's the the biggest event FEMA has ever faced because it's affecting 50 states and six territories and commonwealths and hundreds of tribal nations. So it's the biggest thing that anybody's ever had to deal with, and that's why we're we're failing at some parts of it where we can't possibly meet the demand that so many people have because and the supply is so short. You have a, a big big increase in demand and a big, big decrease in supply. So you've got a, that's a problem. And those of us um, trying to deal with that, uh, it's, it's a rough one. <laughs> Plus, the worst part of it, didn't even get to the worst part of it is, the worst part of it is you've got doctors and nurses on that front line and EMS, EMTs and paramedics on the front line being exposed to this horrible the virus every day, dealing with patients that they then watch suffer and die over a three-week period, you know, the the number that we can't uh, or they can't cure. There are an awful lot of people that are beating this virus, and there's a lot of people who are getting pneumonia, I think, are caught up in this, in these statistics, but there's a real large number of uh, first first responders that are trying to make a difference, and they're suffering They've been doing it over a month, and they're watching this pain. And I, I, I know what it's like having been in the fire department. When you find, or you're, you find a child that was just lost at a fire. I remember myself and another firefighter one time finding a baby in a crib, and we thought we could have maybe saved that baby if we had gotten into that room quicker. And I remember crying, you know, all the way home in the car and thinking about your own kids. So. That's what these doctors and nurses and EMTs and paramedics, that's what they're dealing with. That's what they've got to deal with now going forward. 
you know, the idea of, you know, what could have been done, could anything have been done? If this person was younger, I could have saved them if they were old. You know, it just, it's a horrible thing to, to deal with death and suffering, and, and that's what they're all going through, and that's a rough one. You're, you're on the federal side of the response now. On 9-11, you're on the city side. How does that help you? Does it help you that you're on the other side of this equation? Well, on the, you know, it's so funny because when I was on the city side of it, I had no idea. I was so, uh, so caught up in, in what I needed to do for the fire department. I, I didn't know, you know, uh, who Osama bin Laden was. I, I, it never even occurred to me to, to think about who did this. I didn't know that FEMA was coming in and with IMAT teams, incident management assistant teams. I, uh, you know, I knew the Army was sending people to help us with security, but I, I had no idea that so many other agencies, I mean, I knew it, but I was so involved with the grief and the funerals and trying to bring back my department as best I could and, and hold the city together with Mayor Giuliani every day. That that was my focus, and now it's kind of like the same thing. It's a much bigger focus, but it's not as it's not as connected to the. Then I was connected to every death in the fire department with 343, connected to so many deaths in the police department, and then throughout all the agencies and and friends and family. You know, this one has been different for me. It's um, it's kind of I, I'm a I'm a step back from it trying to give everybody all the support that they need to save as many lives as they can. But, you know, I'm I'm just a, an old guy trying to make all this work and trying to help help everybody, but it's not as um, it's getting personal because we're all starting to know people who um, are f- affected by the virus. But it was different than being in a department for 32 years and president of the union and knowing all these guys and their fathers and their brothers and, and oh my god it was just so it was so painful at the time and I, I still I still have it you know with me um, I guess I will until I'm gone but it's uh, this is different it's it's kind of like at a, at a different level and but it's the same grief for those people who are feeling it and and I understand that and I I'm right there with them as far as that goes. What are the lessons you learned from that experience that you think might be helping you now? Well, I see it with my team. You know, I've got about 30 uh, men and women down in Jersey, and they're, they're just outstanding. They're, 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 they're working their butts off 12 hours every day and and they're together and they're yelling and fighting and arguing and calling people's, you know, I can't believe that one did this and I can't believe that one did that and they're complaining and it's just so frustrating when you are dealing with so many moving pieces on this supply chains. We have a we have an economy here. We don't make anything anymore. We have to buy it from somewhere and then buying it in places that theirs was shut down because they had the virus. So now everybody is trying to buy it from the same manufacturer. You know, it's really a, it's a very, very different problem than we've ever had before. And I think a lot 
will be learned from this lesson. Too late, I think, for some folks, but we have to learn from it and realize that if we want to be as independent as we always thought we were, then we better stop worrying so much about getting everything a little cheaper, um, uh, you know, where they're paying people peanuts and, and start worrying about making some things here that we can have when we really need them. Many of us lived through 9-11 and saw the city respond to that day and rise from the ashes. How does Von Essen feel about the comparisons to what we're going through now? To me, there's an awful lot of people who, um, who give everything uh, with something like this. On September 11th, the firefighters, some police officers, Port Authority, there were people who left it all left it all on the table at that, that day for strangers. Um, and that's happening now. There's people in the emergency room. There's people on the ambulances. They're, they're leaving it all. They're leaving it all out there for total strangers. They're, they're risking exposure because they don't have all the protective clothing that they wish they had. They're risking exposure because you can't possibly, you know, protect yourself uh, 100% with all the the, uh, the horrible things they're being exposed to and they have to take it home if they go home and they have to quarantine themselves like I do when I come home on the weekend. Uh, you can't go near the people you care about. Your grandchildren won't come near you. You know, it's just wait, you're just waiting to get it yourself and that's not a great feeling and people don't like that but they're overcoming that fear because they want to help other people. And that's an amazing thing. And I think back to September 11th, and that's, that's a real similarity. That's a real comparison. The suffering that people are witnessing is real. And I think what the doctors and nurses are doing is even a, even a greater sacrifice because that day we were surprised and we were doing our job and we got, we got hit by surprise. These, there's no surprise here for these doctors and nurses and EMTs and folks dealing on that first connection with the patient. There's no surprise. They know that that person has the disease often, and they're still treating them, and they're still looking at days in front of them where they're going to be face that exposure. So I, I think it's, a, it's an even greater act to, uh, for your fellow person, for strangers, than we did that day because we we were doing our job and we didn't know it, but we did our job even when we did know it. We had firefighters that wouldn't leave the building even after they were uh, told to leave the building because they knew that one of their brother firefighters was further up and they kept going up to help them or they or they said, I'm here with a, a, a patient that, that I'm helping get down. So it took them longer to get out and maybe they didn't make it. So you have that kind of... Um, you know, that, that kind of self-sacrifice in, in both incidents, but they are very, very different. But the, the heroism and the, and the suffering, the grief, is the same. It'll always be the worst incident for you is always the one where you lost someone that you really cared about, whether it was September 11th or it was the coronavirus. That will be the one that you personally remember. But I think this one will go down as uh, probably the biggest thing to ever affect New York City bigger than September 11th. I want to ask you about fear. In the months after 9-11, the fear was about terrorism. 
in the months ahead, the fear is going to be about the virus. Tell me about what it took to overcome that fear to get society up and running again. And what do you think it's going to take this time to overcome that fear? Well, it's a good question. I mean, it was um, it was a, a fear people had that it might happen again. I remember, was it about five weeks later, we had that airplane crash in Rockaway? And we all responded out there like it was terrorism. We thought for sure. And then we found out it was just maintenance, which didn't make you feel any better uh, if you had a loved one on the plane. But it did make the the city feel better that it, they weren't under attack again. So this this will go on, too, for months, I would think. I mean, I'm not a... You know, you got to listen to the scientists and the doctors. Dr. Fauci has done a great job of telling everybody, listen, the, the virus will determine what we do and how we do it and how long we do it. Not the politicians, not um, not uh, FEMA, not anybody, but the, the virus will decide um, when it when it takes a break and when then we'll decide whether or not we want to take the chance and go back to normal or we want to wait, smartly wait a little longer until it's more under control. So that'll all be determined. I think we can learn a lot from China, I mean, we certainly don't want to be like China when it comes to freedom of the press and things like that, but the discipline that they have after an event like this, we certainly can learn from them. They have took away a little bit of your um, of your privacy and giving you a little computer or whatever and saying that, well, you've been exposed and you, sh- you can't go into this restaurant or you might have the virus and you can't do this. Whether or not we'll have the discipline and uh, strength to do that, I don't know. But I think stuff like that is is smart if you want to control it and beat it as much as you can and try to prevent it from coming back, and especially in the short term. Those of us who were here after 9-11 do remember that fear about when is the next attack, etc. Do you remember how long it took before that fear started to subside for you? I can honestly say, for me, and I, I mentioned it before with um, not knowing or not caring. I remember it was weeks later, somebody said something to me about bin Laden, and I said, who's that? Like, I, I didn't think of anything. I wasn't afraid at all after September 11th. All I was thinking about, and I'm not saying that was a good thing, but that was just who I was. All I could think of was what I was dealing with every day and the families that I knew, I knew, and I couldn't, I couldn't give them back. I couldn't, I couldn't even give a wife the remains of her husband. I had, a, I had to tell her that, well, he's gone, but um, and we're still looking for him. I mean, it was, that was the, that's all I was thinking about at the time, and trying to keep up with Mayor Giuliani, who was a remarkable leader at the time. And it was just what the city needed for that strength and that and that confidence and that direction. And he had the he had the big picture in his head all the time. Uh, I was more focused on, you know, my mission of trying to get the department back, get the city back safe, deal with the families. Tom Von Essen will always be considered a hero for New York. His perspective is very important for us today. We had one last question for him, though. Who are the unsung heroes we might be overlooking today? 
Well, you know, I was in a supermarket the other day, and I was thinking about, um, you know, I stopped on a on a highway uh, and went into one of those uh, stops, and there was nobody there except this one kid making coffee. And I thought, geez, you know, she could probably stay home and get paid anyway because uh, they told everybody, well, you're going to get paid. But there she is waiting, you know, serving coffee, and who, how does she know I don't have it? You know, they're taking a chance and they're making minimum wage. It's you know, it's one thing to, to have a big, important job, but I mean, when you think of some of the the people in the supermarkets, uh, cash register, you know, serving or people stacking shelves and somebody walking by and coughs. I mean, it must be all, they must be scared, you know. Um, I know I'm afraid. I'm old and I don't want to get it, but I'm working with a team of young, tough people and trying to keep up with them. So everybody's, uh, you know, there's an awful lot of people who aren't home, you know, watching uh, HD TV all day and thinking like, wow, I'm bored. There's a lot of people out there working in just ordinary jobs, trying to make a difference every day for people, trying to get them the food that they need, you know, so we can all eat and we'll get fat. I mean, I'm, I'm gaining weight, I think, every day. No exercise, just eating. And uh, and working, it's not the way to go, you know. But I mean, that's that's nothing compared to when you think of um, what these doctors and nurses are going through, you know, and the poor kids on the ambulances uh, going to a patient, and uh, now the firefighters are pronouncing people dead. You know, they never did that before. They rushed them back to the emergency room, and the doctor said, "Okay, we'll work on them a little longer." And then the doctor would pronounce them dead. Now you've got a, a fire officer or a firefighter doing that or an EMT or a paramedic. That's a big deal for all these uh, young men and women doing things that they've never been asked to do before. So there's a lot of experience being gained in this tragedy. A lot of, a, a lot of people are going to grow exponentially, um, you know, in their experience and, and their um ability to to help people so there will be good that comes out of it people used to ask me what was good coming out of september 11th and i could never think of anything good and then i'd say well if there was anything good it was people all around the world um gained their respect for firefighters that they had never had before so that you try to find something good that comes out of it and i think the good that comes out of this will be um, an enormous amount of experience and uh, empathy that people have, uh, not just for the doctors and nurses and EMTs and paramedics, but uh, they will have gained from it also. FEMA's regional administrator, Tom Von Essen, with our Peter Haskell. That's it for this in-depth conversation. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing and passing it along to family and friends. Subscribe to 880 In-Depth wherever you get podcasts. Just search for 880 In-Depth. Stay healthy. Stay connected. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 